Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I am your announcer, Evan Lionheart of evanlionheart.com in New Jersey, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, Conjurman of conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. And this week's very special guest, Miss Michael of HoodooFoundry.com in Willis, California, bringing us the topic of designing effective spells for all occasions. Together they will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Kat and Conjurman. Miss Kat? Hi. Nice to hear you this week, dear Evan Lionheart. Now, I know you are also one of the most premier minds of root work, and it's very hard to get you to be a guest on this show because you're the announcer. But I just want to give a shout-out to you. You're a great announcer, but I'd like to have you as a guest sometime. We'll find someone else to do guest announcing if you'll be a guest sometime. Will you do that? Absolutely. I actually have a, a couple um, topics up my sleeve that I'm working on uh, refining for the show. So you'll, you'll definitely oh. have me on well before the festival. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, get in touch with Nagashiva about dates and times because this has been just on my mind so much. I hear your beautiful voice. I know how good you are, and I'm like, come on, he's got to get in here and talk a little bit more than just reading the notes, you know? Oh, anyway, so it's lovely to have you reading the notes, so thank you for that. Um, <laughs> this is a sh- this show is so hot that even the announcer knows his stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right. Uh, well, let's see. I'm going to do a real quick catch-up on where I'm at. I am in the last week of um, 15 weeks of book production. It's been insane. It's about to come to a triumphant close, I hope. Um Terrors of the Evil Eye Exposed, the revised enlarged edition with um, uh, the original text by Henri Gamache, a.k.a. Anne Fleitman, and uh, the added material, which is about half the book, by me, Cat Ironwood, and my cohort, Dr. Jeremy Weiss, is at press. It's, it is being printed too late. If there's any mistakes in it, they'll have to be worked out for the second edition. The uh, next book um, to kind of lift off and take off to the printer is going to be Down Home Sex Magic. And we are working on proofreading it right now. 
my good friend Lara Rivera just called in. Um, she's about ready to move to a new house, and she's like, she's going to be working on proofreading it till the movers come. What dedication is that? What a nice uh, woman! And she is my co-author on Bottled Up and Go, so she knows her stuff too. And Deacon Millet is uh, off there in the wilds of um, wherever he lives, his secret <laughs> space base, and um, and uh, and he's. He's also um, proofreading both books. And uh, How to Use Amulets, Charms, and Curios. It's already been proofread by uh, the um, uh, co-author, Papa G, Gregory. And um, I haven't yet had a chance to proofread it. I'm behind on that one. But Nagashiva is working on the final art touches. Uh, Gregory Lee White, uh, Papa G, did a tremendous amount of work there are 153 different amulets and each one of them is illustrated and he uh, really spent all this time working on those illos Shiva is now assembling them into little grids making them fit on the page nicely with a new Helvetica narrow type underneath them and it'll be all real cute and uh, so that one's going to be the last one to go to press because there's still some art uh, to be adjusted and fitted. That's what we're up to. And uh, we intend to have all of these books ready and there for giveaway, no extra charge if you buy tickets to the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival, September 11th to 12th, 2021. You will get 10 workshops, each one lasting about an hour what, with questions and answers and all. Each one will come with either a two-page PDF, and that will be available online, or it'll come with a complete book, and the book will be in your goodie box along with uh, all types of goodies. There's, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you there's going to be candles, there's going to be oils, there's going to be um, uh, beads, there's going to be charms, there's amulets, there's everything is going to be in these boxes for you to do the work that will get you where you need to go with these lessons that are being taught. We don't just lecture. You don't just watch us like on YouTube. We actually show you how to make and do things. And then you can ask questions after. These are live sessions. And the PDFs will eventually be collected up and made into a book called the Blue Folder, which is um, a companion to the Black Folder and the Red Folder, which we've already published in past festival years. So that's what I've been doing. I've been uh, happy with it. All is going very well. We're making good time, good speed. And uh, if you get your tickets now, you'll be guaranteed to get one of those goodie boxes with three free books in it. Otherwise, if we run out of boxes, we run out of boxes. Last year, we ran out of boxes. And people had to go and scramble to buy the little parts themselves. So order early. Your reward is a priority mailbox full of really cool stuff. So that's what we've been doing. How about you, Contraband? I heard through the grapevine that you turned in your video. Yeah, uh, video and flyer. I'm, I'm good with deadlines. <laughs> oh, you know, being, you an, being an academic has uh, made it that I'm, you know, deadlines are my thing. If you give me a deadline by this day, this thing needs to be t- turned in. 
I'll get it done. I'm, I'm good with that. So, yeah, my flyer's already done. I've already sent that in, and I've uh, sent my video in. Uh, it's quite, it was enjoyable to, to film, and I can attest that you listen. You need to sign up early and get those boxes because you want the material. One of the kind of cool things about the workshops is that you get access to, you know, professional root workers that will teach you the secrets of the trade. They'll tell you the things that they do in their own practice that works. This is what makes the, the workshops so different from these other sort of occult and magical and, and spiritual conventions, which often fall into heavy theory. If you ever mm-hmm. had a workshop like a magical convention, you'll sit there and be like, oh, the theory of the lunar mansions. And you're just like, what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a sort of a academic envy or a, a, an attempt to try to replicate the academy to a certain extent. And so you have these occultists and root workers and, and magicians and whatnot who will often put on these presentations that are very, very academic that will give you all sorts of great theoretical information. But you walk away going, well, how do I apply that? Whereas the Hoodoo Root Work Workshop, the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, is really good at saying, all right, here's the history, here's the information, now here's what we can do. And step-by-step will guide you through the process of making certain candles, of doing certain contours. In my workshop, for example, we go step-by-step through the process of making a spirit protection bottle. You know, how to keep your home and hearth and, and family safe from danger, step by step, and all the material is included in that box. So it's really cool. Uh, and, uh, you know, you get books, you get flyers, you get material. There really isn't anything quite like it out there. So it is always exciting to be a part of it. And I know I'm, I'm certainly excited to see the other workshops. We've got some really cool, cool lineup this year. So very much it looking is. forward to it. It's a great lineup. Um, yeah. Wonderful people participating. Are, are, I just have to make a. I just have to make a funny comment on the side. You were talking about uh, academic envy among occultists. Back in the day, bookstores you, that were you know metaphysical bookstores would have a lecturer yeah. come in and you know give a lecture. And uh, and I have to say that the worst lecture I ever attended was called. The pentatonic scale and the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. Yeah, see, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that to me, that sounds like an academic convention where you just look at the title and you go, "Oh God, you know this is going to be one of those." Right, right. Well, anyway, the guy had a good singing voice. <laughs> oh, wonderful! That's, For the pentatonic scale, it was great, you know. But what? <laughs> no, I'm much more like, um, you know, like you know, let's you know, let's teach you how to make of uh, the certain oil, or let's teach you how to make a spell Damn. bottle, or let's teach yep. you, you know, here's a lemon. Here's six different kinds of magic you can do with a lemon. Yep. I love those yep. kind of workshops because you really part, become part of the community, part of the culture, and part of the tradition. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Miss Michelle, uh, yeah. is, who's our guest, is also going to be at the at the festival, and yeah. also we're going to have um, Miss Robin Papa Newt, mm-hmm. our former announcer, who many of you remember well. Um, uh, Mama E is going to be there. Um, yeah. Mama Virgie. Uh, I know I'm going to leave out about six people. Papa G. Uh, our very own. Going to be there. Ah, right. Our very own Evan is going to be presenting on astrology. Um, and let's see, um, mm, mm, Dr. Jeremy Weiss will be there presenting on the evil eye. 
And uh, even the evil eye, it's not just about theory. You're going to be able to learn to make an evil eye charm all your own, and all the ingredients will be supplied along with a little video that will show you how to do it. It's going to be a wonderful um, a wonderful project to get that festival. Now, I know people are asking, when will you do it live again? I have no answer for that because I'm no longer in charge of it. Um, I willingly gave up the reins several years ago, and now, um, but we have a wonderful team at AIR, the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, and they're going to carry this thing on. So stay tuned. This year is virtual, so no matter where you live in the world, just um, go to hoodooheritagefestival.com and sign up, buy your tickets, look forward to getting your box with the books, with the oils, with the candles, with the goodies, with the things, with the whatever will be in the box. And uh, then sit back, there'll be 10 hours, you'll be able to play them at your own leisure. But we advise you to listen live because the chat is ongoing live while it's happening. Mm-hmm. Just like with this radio show, we have a live chat. If you all are listening to this radio show in archive, you just missed the live chat. We always put an announcement on Facebook telling people when we go live. Well, if you haven't figured it out, it's every Sunday at um, 3 p.m. Pacific time. But um, there's a lot more to be gained from this show by being in the live chat. We do collect the chat log and um, place it in the archive. The same will happen with the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival. It will be uh, a live chat, and that will be archived. So you won't miss too much, but you'll miss being able to ask questions of the uh, folks who are presenting. Anyway, that's what's new around here. The, the last great push toward printing. Now, let's, let's say hi to Miss Michael, who's been patiently sitting, uh, knitting, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was actually looking over uh, my notes for tonight. I mean, for months I was not knitting. I've, I've been <laughs> learning how to darn. That's my, been my big in-the-house adventure this week, darning socks so I don't have to replace them so often. Anyway. Um, oh, darning. So I love darning. Do you really? You would. I really um, love I darning, yes. <laughs> darning is very satisfying. Huh. Well, I guess it is. I guess it is. I like knitted patches myself, and I just learned a better way to do them. So I'm not hmm. going to shy away from them anymore. But this isn't a knitting show, okay? Yes, um, nor is it a darning show. Right. Yeah, no, I, I love to darn socks, Michael. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, All right. Don't expect it packages in the mail. <laughs> right. Yeah, send me your send me your broken socks. I'll repair them. Um, well, <laughs> sure. You know they don't. You know we we don't talk about um, root work as a craft for nothing. I think that a lot of mm-hmm. people who are good at root work and witchcraft um, and conjure crafting are really craft workers. It's true. Well, you brought us the topic this time of designing effective spells for all occasions. So I'm going to give a little intro on what that means. This show is going to be unusual. We're talking about the theory and practice of creating your own spells. In other words, designing spells, not just go find the right book to look up a spell in, but if you were set down on a desert island with all the knowledge in your brain you have now and an unlimited supply of herbs and craft supplies, 
How would you design a spell? How do you become a contributor to the tradition? Now, that doesn't mean you get to go off and reinvent a whole new form of magic. We're talking about within the conjure tradition, within um, older spellcraft traditions of, you know, primarily African-American culture, but there are other cultures that have a little, say, Native American and some European and some Jewish magic. It's into hoodoo. So taking all of that into account, this is about how do you design a spell. So um, take it away, Michael. I want to hear what you have to say about this. Okay. Well, a lot of people will throw spell after spell after spell at a condition and then wonder why it didn't work and uh Another problem is that they will overthink things and and tear their hair out, uh, wondering if they've done things exactly right. And I would say if you do have a firm grounding in theory, there's that word again, um, mm-hmm. you, can, you can do with it what you will, just like uh, you don't have to spend the rest of your life looking up and following faithfully every step in a bread recipe. Once you've gotten pretty decent at baking bread, you know how much mm-hmm. flour makes one loaf and how much water and what an egg will do if you put it in and what milk will do if you use that instead of water. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so like, uh, if you want to do a cleansing spell, for instance, well, uh, this one, I know that product smells like eucalyptus and I don't want to smell like Vicks Vapor Rub, so I guess I'll get one, a, a citrusy one. Mm-hmm. You know not only the correspondences, but your preferences, and uh, you know the, the available product pretty well. So you know mm-hmm. which ones are more effective for you as a person with your particular gift. You know your gifts well enough. Uh, you know, this is the sort of thing where you get better by experience anyway, mm-hmm. like most things are. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say uh, some people... Uh, don't stress yourself out. Hoodoo isn't a strict rule set like uh, an RPG game or most any game. Um, like uh, like in Scrabble, for instance, there are whole classes of words you can't use. But you can use them in speech. Speech has a lot more improvisation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you probably speak your native language pretty well. Uh, but so there are many, there really are many effective ways to do, to achieve your objective magically. Um, so you don't have to necessarily, if, if something isn't working out for you, um, you, you do need to investigate. I would say you should probably do some divination. And if mm-hmm. you're just, running up against the same interpretation that led you into the work in the first place that isn't happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably need a pair of fresh eyes and, a, and somebody else's cards. Mm-hmm. Because you may have misdiagnosed the situation altogether. Like I was um, reading in the Lucky Mojo Forum, a post from years ago, about a man who was trying to do reconciliation work on a woman who didn't like sex, didn't like to commit to anything at all ever, um, and had run away from him several times. Mm-hmm. This after being mm-hmm. engaged to him. 
And uh, you said, well, I'm going to talk myself out of a scale here, a sale here, but this is not the partner for you. And you've already listed why. Right. So you have to, um, you do have to do some diagnosis and you may need some help with that. Um, also, a lot of people will crowd, well, not a lot of people, but many over-eager people will crowd their altars with nearly identical spells for the same target and the same purpose. Um, and I would say the only reason to do that is to, if you're doing a multiple candle spell like the ones in the Master Book of Candle Burning, mm-hmm. where it's kind of like a cross between having a crew and having clauses in a work order or contract. Mm-hmm. This candle's you know, going to handle this piece of the work, of, and that one's going to handle another. One of the things mm-hmm. that, um, okay, hold on just a moment. Nagashiva says he can't hear a word that anyone is saying. Um, so I hear you, Michael. Um, I do as well. And um, Evan says radio background feedback. And um, so we're having some sort of a technical issue. Let's see. Yeah. Evan, can you hear us? Just signify yes if you hear us. And anybody else in the chat can say, you can hear okay, Ollie? Yeah, I can hear everyone. I, I hear do everyone hear the radio too. feedback. I heard, yes. I, and and Jamey says, I hear. Covet Gift 2 says, I hear. So it seems to be you, Nagashiva. Bye-bye. Come back soon. <laughs> yes, he's, he's called me in again. <laughs> Um, you know the the wonders of the electronic um, media. We just we do the uh, the yeah. best we can. Sometimes, All right, let's go back to our topic. Electronics, yeah. Sometimes let's I think electronics doesn't understand I, electronics. Yeah, I um, I am getting a little um, funky sound on your call too, Michael. I'm hearing a little wah 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 kind of sound, and, yeah, and um, we'll we'll see if that persists. If you might have to call back in also, but let me just uh, okay. jump back to the topic. Um, one of the things about designing your own spell is a lack of confidence. Obviously, some people really do mm-hmm. have trouble. They go, what am I going to do? What if I do it wrong? Um, you can get magical consulting about designing a spell. Mm-hmm. In other words, you don't have to call somebody and say, give me a spell. You don't have to buy a book and say, give me a spell. You can either by um, consulting with someone in person or via phone or Internet or on a place like the Lucky Mojo Forum. You could say, I have thought of this spell. What do you all think? And they will give you an opinion. And if you contact someone who is an experienced worker, they might say to you, you know, that looks just like a little bit, you know, too much saffron for that rice. Why don't you cut that saffron back by one-third? And, uh, you know, whatever it may be, um, there is uh, there are people who will help. If you do it on a place like the Lucky Mojo Forum, you'll get help for free. If you pay somebody, they'll give you an hour's consultation on your spell work and give you some suggestions. And... Um, uh, Jamais says, an overseer sounds amazing. Well, uh, I would say, yes, um, uh, an overseer may not be the word I would use. I use the word magical coach. And Evan Lionheart in the chat says, I offer magical coaching sessions. I think I do too. And do you, Michael? Yes. As a matter of fact, whenever I have a reading, it generally ends up with spell design. Because um, I think out loud when I'm thinking about 
Well, let's see. We've decided that you need an oil lamp on my altar, and I think for this purpose, and I think I ought to put some King Solomon wisdom in there and this other thing and uh, maybe some star anise or just plain anise seed or something. Yeah. So You're just basically, you're telling them, yeah. you're giving them some ideas to go with yeah. it. Um, yeah, and, that's, and, see, and that's say, what a magical and coach. Do a candle with that too. Yeah, yeah, that's what a magical coach will do. Now we had another part of this, which was um, for all occasions. So yeah. there's another aspect to this kind of work that I do, and I don't know if you all do. I look at what the occasion is. Is it a love spell? Mm. Is it a money spell? Mm-hmm. Um, is it a job getting spell? And I do look up. Um, what are some of the basics of that type of spell? Now, I'm going to recommend a place that we have online called Hoodoo at a Glance. And um, this was uh, put together uh, by a guy named Reeve Socratic and then added to and really brought up to snuff by Papa Newt. And um, by all means, take a look at it. It's hoodoo at a glance, luckymojo.com forward slash hoodoo at a glance dot html. And hoodoo at a glance is all lowercase, all one word. So Evan just put up the link, thank you, Evan, for the magical coaching and spiritual advice at AIR, where you can hire people to coach you through new spells. And um, now the hoodoo at a glance is a place that will give you a list of herbs to start with. You can also find them in my book, uh, Hoodoo Urban Magic, at the back of the book. But just you can start with Hoodoo at a Glance. It's free. And once you start looking at those herbs and become familiar with them, you'll go, oh, yes, I like the way this smells with that. They play well together in my nose, right? Or, mm-hmm. oh, no, I, I, I know that one has a reputation for use and love, but I just can't stand it. Take it right out. Yeah. Don't use it. And so with um, a helper like Hoodoo at a Glance, you can um, start adapting things. You know, we talk about um, Christmas spices, pumpkin pie spices. We talk about um, the colors that we color Easter eggs. All of these holidays are occasions. You know, the red, white, and blue of the 4th of July. Um We all know what these occasions are. We know the colors that go with them. We know the flavors that go with them, the smell um, of, you know, burning gunpowder, I guess, until 4th of July. Um, But when when you think about magic the same way, you begin to say, ah, this smell of roses will work in this spell of love or I don't like rose so much. I really, I really love um, the smell of wisteria or lilac or lavender, whatever. And that will be my love spell flowers. Look them up. And there's a book uh, came out in the 1840s. I don't know if it's still in print. I know you can find it online for free. It's called the language of flowers by Robert Tyas, T-Y-A-S. Um, and it gives the meaning for every flower. Now, that doesn't mean every hoodoo herb, but it'll give you some ideas about what is well known about the scent of, an, of a spell. So you're going to bring together all of these correspondences. Of course, there's also astrology. I'm going to turn you over to that one, uh, Contraman. Using astrology, the days of the week, if nothing more, to design mm-hmm. spells for every occasion. What do you need to know? 
Yeah, I think one of the ways to organize spells can be the days of the week. You can also use the planetary hours, but just simply the days of the week themselves are really useful to kind of organize your magical work. You know, Sundays for health, wealth, and fame because it's the day of the sun. Mondays can also be done for health, but a sort of different approach to it. More psychic health, the connection with ancestors, the connection with spirits, dream work. Um, even uh, some type of emotional work because it's the day of the moon. Tuesdays because it's the day of uh, Mars are for destruction work, hot foot work, driving people away, but also for courage work and strength work. Wednesdays is the day of Mercury you can use for communication, for uh, job getting, for money, specifically quick cash. Any type of fast luck can be done on Wednesday. Thursday for success because it's the day of Jupiter. Success particularly around academic matters or uh, job matters, promotions of some type, honor, um, victory. Uh, Fridays for love because it's the day of Venus. But some people also do uh, a little bit of money work on Friday because it's the day that you get paid. And even Venus has that connection to luxury. And then Saturday is the day of Saturn for crossing people and cursing people. So this is a way you can organize it. We actually talked about this uh, two episodes ago with uh, Doc mm-hmm. Murphy and Miranda Tarot, who were our guests here. And they were talking about tarot spells. And one of the things we discussed is that uh, the way that tarot spells work is built on the way good spell working is. And that is that you are storytelling. Building mm-hmm. an effective spell, building an effective spell for whatever occasion revolves around building a good story in your magic. Does it make sense? Are you conveying what you're trying to do? You're creating a sort of miniature. This reminds me of, the, of an ancient pharaoh who used to build uh, miniature tables of ships and battles and one who would play act the battles, sinking the ships of his enemies as a magical act. He would basically mm-hmm. play out the entire battle as he wanted to happen in his miniatures uh, as a spell work. And this is what you're basically doing. So if you're creating a honey jar, what's going into mm-hmm. that honey jar? You're putting in rose petals for love. You're putting in, you know, Damiana for passion. You're putting in things, and you're basically building a story. So if you look at your spell, if you look at your altar, is a story being told? I mean, as Kel rightly pointed out, you know, people who do the same exact spell for one person, one situation, you look at their altar, and you're like, why are there six honey jars on this one person? That also tells a story, a very confused story. <laughs> a very chaotic story. That's a story that doesn't have a narrative. It doesn't have a beginning. It doesn't have an end. It doesn't have anything. That tells you something. Good root workers tell stories. There's a narrative. We're creating spiritual narrative. What we want to manifest in the world around us, we recreate first in the magical realm. Mm-hmm. And this is crucial, right? Most of magic is based off of the idea of sympathy or contagion as the anthropologists will call it. And this is the heart of mm-hmm. a root work. It's why we build doll babies and stick pins into them, right? It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. That logic of the doll baby must be replicated in your other magic. And so when I tell people, you know, the effective tool for, for creating uh, magic or creating spells of your own, 
you don't need a set of formulas. You don't need to see a set of recipes. You need to understand the basic mechanics of hoodoo. You need to understand the basic symbology of hoodoo. And then you use that language to build your story. What story are you telling when you're burning that candle? Moving candle spells. Effective, effective way of building a story. You have two kids. Let's say you're doing a breakup and reconciliation, right? You have two people back to back, and you have you on the other side. You move these candles away from each other while your target moves closer and closer to you. That is a story that you're telling, a narrative that you tell. And then you knock over that other candle, that other trifling person, into a bucket of graveyard dirt or a bucket of crossroads, right? That tells a story. What story mm-hmm. are you telling in your magical work? Is it crucial for effective building of spells. You know, you're you're so right. And in the it, the idea of telling the story, what I call the narrative of intent, yeah. um is so important. Um in the chat, um there's been um I Patricia uh a, and some others have been talking about um there's so many considerations. The moon, she says, my goodness, it can be a lot of considerations. I get overwhelmed about sometimes I have to stop. And Miss um, Michael noted, I don't work with the sky at all. I'm not an astrologer. Don't spread yourself too thin. And Evan wrote something really good here. Um, uh, the key is to keep it simple, then layer as you go. Yeah. You don't have to try and touch every correspondence. You just need enough to frame your work. So yeah. layering, let's just talk about that for a moment. If I'm going to be doing a love spell, I want to layer things onto it. Now, I mentioned perfumes. Conjure mm-hmm. went into days of the week. And um, and also moving the candles around if you're doing a moving candle spell. And I'm going to uh, put in a few other ideas. If you were doing love work, you want to know how sexual you want it to be or whether it's just romance. You might want to put music in on it because music has a, a kind of a lovey-dovey uh, component to it. But hey, say you're doing some sort of warlike anger spell. Music can help. You know the songs that are, you know, angry and and martial in tone. And the word martial has to do with Mars. And you think, mm-hmm. oh yeah, Mars Tuesday. Maybe I'll do that. You know. Um, so you layer it as you go. You don't have to have music. You don't even have to have herbs. Although root work is based on herbs, we know that yeah. root work and roots and herbs. But there are many effective workers who use very little other than a candle and a dressing oil. Now, if the dressing oil was made properly, the herbs would already be in it. But you have to trust the maker of that oil to have put the proper herbs in. Right. And there are there are oils that are nothing but a just a, a little splash of fake scent on mineral oil. Those will not carry as much power to you as if there were herbs. But you can also take an oil that has a specific meaning or a combination of them and add more herbs to it to um, really give it a punch having to do with those herbs or roots. One of the common ones that I know is, uh, let's say you're you're going to be doing something for, um, I'm just going to uh, take this right out of something I was working on today, proofreading, for male domination in a, in a, uh, a relationship that would be, cons- you know, a bondage domination, sadomasochistic, um, power exchange relationship, okay? Um, and, and you want to do that, and you want to be a, a, a stronger guy. And actually, usually it's not the guys asking for this. It's the women asking for their dom to be more dom, truth, truth to tell. So 
What do you want? You want some master oil. You want some power oil. You want some John the Conqueror oil. You want some nature oil. Okay, pour those all together. But to really get it going, you might want to put in some master root and some John the Conqueror root. And now you're layering roots with the oils. And then you're going to get a candle, okay? And um, it's up to you what shape or form that candle takes. And now you're going to want to design this to be dominant over a sex partner who could either be male or female. So you want another um, candle to represent that other person and you're going to dress that with essence of bend over because you know they're going to to submit so when you look at these spells how did i mean i just made that up out of my mm-hmm. head it's just there actually it came yeah. to me out of conversation with um lara rivera who's proofreading the book and she goes you know put this in there and i was you know you're absolutely right <laughs> so i am um and that's one way that spells are designed is by the community through community participation yeah yeah, yeah. So, this layering um, component is very important. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Miss Michael, um, right? Don't worry if your painting doesn't look like Raphael's. Just be sure you use paint. I love that, Michael. <laughs> so, if someone came to you, Michael, and said, "I want to design my own spell for," mm, let's pick an easy one. Someone owes me money. And I want to design my own spell. I don't want to use any of the ones I've read. I want to have my own spell. How would you tell them to go about building, creating, or crafting that spell? Well, first of all, I would cheer enthusiastically. And um, then I would, you know, I need some information about the situation. Um, Is this the kind of guy who has a history of never paying anybody, like a certain politician? Or um, is it... Uh, just somebody who's never prospered and mm-hmm. it's scatterbrained, you know. Uh, so do we have to? Do we have to really? Um, do we have to put a paper in your shoe with mm-hmm. some it over on it, or do we need to bless this guy and give him some discipline and wisdom so that he can pay you back and remembers to do so? Maybe he mm-hmm. needs prosperity and courage. And um, uh, maybe some Solomon seal root in an oil Mm -hmm. instead. Maybe if you're living with him, you need to fix a honey jar and keep it in the kitchen. And if you're living Mm -hmm. with him, hey, you can fix all the groceries in the house Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that uh, you could could even just uh, rub a little painty oil on your hands Mm -hmm. and... um, and then go do the grocery shopping because you're fixing the groceries as soon as they go in the cart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, um, you, so, so, yeah, so and I like that. I like that grocery shopping. shopping. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think, and uh, you see, you see, though, the way she did that is by taking some basic knowledge of the herbs and roots, some basic knowledge of spiritual supplies. Now we could go to another level we haven't talked about, and that would be amulets, charms, and talismans. Mm -hmm. There are many amulets, charms, and talismans for protection, for instance. And some may be more of interest to you than others. And you don't need to say, which is stronger? Should I use an evil eye bead, or should I use... um, a fascinist 
replica ancient Roman fascinus charm. I doubt you would, but if you wanted to. <laughs> it's a, a flying penis. Um, mm. Oh, that. With balls. Yes, yeah, a flying penis with balls. It's very cute. Um, but it was a very uh, important anti-evil eye charm in ancient Rome, and you can find them carved all over ancient Roman artifacts. And the way that the fascinus, uh, which is the fascinator, the fascinating penis, uh, the way it, it, it gets rid of the evil eye, they have a big drawing of an eye, and then the, the fascinus ejaculates all over the eye. Um, there's one in your eye. So um, do you want to fasten us? Oh, no, really. Do you want to fasten us? Are you going to be able to wear that to work? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not. Um, but maybe you would just wear a little evil eye bead. Maybe that might tip your hand. Maybe if you just wear a little piece of black tourmaline, nobody will say anything. So another way to, to select or design the spell is, is it appropriate to who will know about it or see it? Um, Is it something that has to be hidden? Many people wear their spell uh, equipment, as you might call it, mojos or whatever, hidden. There's a reason they're carried hidden. So, but there's also a reason to put something in someone's face too. Okay. Yeah, I I have a sort of I have a sort of systematic approach towards how to set up these type of spells. What I tell people is Mm -hmm. this is where the layering component comes into it, is you start first with selecting some type of timing and duration. And this goes to to I, Patricia's question. You don't need to select all the different timing methods. You need to only select one. I do believe that effective spell working takes some timing into consideration. Not always. Sometimes you're in an emergency and you just need to, you've got to do what you've got to do. But maybe you're mm-hmm. working by the hours of the clock. Maybe you're working by the movement of the sun, uh, when the sun is rising or the sun is setting. Or maybe you're working with the movement of the moon, right? The phases of it, or it's through the zodiac, or the days of the week. But there's some time in consideration. You start there, because that frames the work that you're going to do. That sets the sort of tone. What environment are you doing? Are you doing love magic when the house is on fire? Or are you doing love magic in a nice, luxurious bath, Right. So that's the timing. You also select your duration. I'm going to do this for one day. I'm going to do this for seven days. So this, the timing starts the story. Then you select your method. What are you going to be doing? Are you working with fire, with candles? Are you working with a bottle to contain? Are you working with an amulet, as Miss Cat mentioned, in order to have a physical object at the end? That is the next part of the story, right? What are you telling? What story are you telling? What medium are you going to use to build that narrative? Are you writing on Word? Or are you writing with paper and pencil, right? This is the selecting of the medium. That's important. Right? So if you're doing a love spell, maybe you and you want to increase passion, fire might be the way that you want to go. So you select the method. Then you select the materials, the right herbs that tell the story. Rose petals for love, Damiana for passion, ginger to heat things up, and so on and so forth. Then you select your, your actions and your deployment. What are you going to do? Are you going to light things? Are you going to shake things? Or are things going to be buried? Are things going to be snuffed? And then the final step is block out and practice. Just do it real briefly so that when you sit at your altar, you're like, oh, shit, where are my matches? Oh, crap, I forgot that mm-hmm. one herb. So you just take everything. Once you've done this selecting process, you've built the layers into the story. You've built that narrative. You then practice that out really briefly. All actors do this. Anyone who any, has any familiarity with ritual work knows a little bit of blocking out. Not everyone has to do it. Once you become a practice hand, you don't have to. But I find it useful for people who've just started out. Like, okay, then I'm going to light my candle. Then I'm going to move these. Then I'm gonna, 
you just sort of block it out real briefly, and now you've got yourself an effective spell. So working through in this process, building that layer, thinking about starting with time and duration, thinking about, uh, for example, method, the materials, the actions you take, and then putting it all into practice and then doing it is an effective way of building spell work. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is, this is really true. The method um, may influence what you do. Um, also, um, uh, Grateful Diana mentioned stones and minerals, rocks, and, and so forth as another mm-hmm. type of grocery shopping, another kind of thing you might use in addition to roots and herbs. Now, you don't need all of this stuff, and you can overdo it till the flavor yeah. becomes a little muddy. You know, yes. it's it, there's nothing worse than taking sourdough bread that was intended to be eaten, you know, as a side at an Italian meal, and deciding you're going to add sugar and chocolate to it um, and yes. make a babka out of it. Ick! No. There's some things, some flavors that just don't combine well. And there's also too much. There's no reason for your sourdough bread to also be your dessert cake. Make them separate. They're their own things. So you can um, do uh, something with stones and herbs, or you can do something with just roots. You can do something with just oils and just with fire. One of the things that we've done at our publishing company is try to publish books on methods. So Hoodoo Bible Magic, which Miss Michael co-wrote, is about the use of prayer. Paper in My Shoe, which I wrote, is about how to use papers in mm-hmm. your spell work. And Art of Hoodoo Candle Magic is about candles. And um, there are many books that we publish that are about methods. Um, Bottle Up and Go is obviously about bottle spells in general. Hoodoo uh, Honey spells, uh, honey and Sugar Spells is by uh, Deacon Millet. It's about the, that method. There are also spell books that we publish that are about objectives. So mm-hmm. a book on love spells, a book on cursing spells, a book on on uh, sex magic and so forth. You can choose where you're going to get your information by objective or you can choose it by method. And it may be that method is your delimiting factor. In other words, I'm going to be doing a spell on the job. I can't use sexuality i can't use bottles i can't what can i do i can't bring a candle to my job what can i do well you can always bring christmas cookies and that's where you might want to use a food spell so there are other spells where people say well i want to have a sex spell with this person but we're never intimate well then it's not really going to be an intimate sex spell so Different spells, the methods that are available to you may limit what you can do. Always work from the most um, distant to the closest, to the most uh, intimate. So you might start with um, loaning, well, I'll tell you how I've done it, loaning a boy a book. He forgot his book at school, and so you kiss your finger, put it on the page you know he's going to have to read for his homework. Now he's going to touch that page, he's going to touch your kiss. That's just loaning a boy a book. That's all you did. It's a spell. But afterwards, mm-hmm. it gets a little bit more intimate. And, um, you know, there's, a, there's uh, I don't want to get all x-rated here, but you can just go farther and farther, you know, you, uh, depending on how much you're dating and how close it gets. So the methods will shift over time. But not just because of sex intimacy. The methods between you and your boss might change as your boss becomes your friend and you all go out to dinner together or have them over to your house or are able to give them a secret Santa present. 
So intimacy is always good because this is contact magic. But how much intimacy is going to, um, in some ways, change the method. People talk about candle magic as if it was the be-all and end-all. It is actually not a contact method. It is not an intimate method. Candle magic is a very good backup. It's always something to do. But while you're doing candle magic and you're designing a spell for whatever it might be, money or whatever, um, unless the spell deals with the whole generality of humanity, uh, in which case a candle actually is pretty effective, you're going to want something a little more intimate. You might want all the people in Sonoma County. You might want all the people in Forestville to like you. And so you're going to be ending up getting some dirt from the four corners of the area that you're working in addition to the candle spell. Always go for the most intimate that the spell requires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well said. Uh, speaking of uh, your bo- going out to dinner with your boss and uh, possibly going Dutch, paying for your part of the meal, dress the money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, so there are many ways to... Um, I'll just tell you a real quick one that I know. Um, this is... I don't know if it's a magic spell or just a custom. It's very common in the old days when tips were not given on the uh, credit card that you paid with, you paid with cash. Uh, The person who spotted the dinner, they would pay the thing, and the other person would say, can I pay the tip? And uh, you'd pay the tip and leave the tip, but you leave the tip with a prayer. And the tip is for the waiter or waitress. Let them who pick up this tip think only well of me and my relation to my boss. In other words, you're enrolling them for a slight fee mm. as a prayer partner. Uh-huh. And they don't even have to know. They don't even mm. have to know. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I think one, something that you said here that was really crucial is knowing the sort of the, the limits that you're in. Uh, uh, th- one of the most effective ways of doing it's just doing them sometimes, right? Like you don't have to put so mm-hmm. much thought into it. If you've got a money, like you need money fast, you don't have time to wait for Wednesday when the moon is waxing yep. and when you've got that. You've just got to say that prayer. You've got to say Psalm. You've got to light that white candle, say Psalm 23, right? The most effective, sometimes the most effective spells are driven by necessity, not desperation, mm-hmm. necessity, and this is the difference. The this desperation is you sort of clawing at anything. And sometimes that'll work and sometimes it, it, it won't. But necessity, when you are determined that you've got to get that money in order to pay your rent or you've got to get that job mm-hmm. because you're sick, you're, your unemployment is running out, whatever it is, necessity can shape the type of work that you do. In those mm-hmm. moments when you dig down into that reservoir of willpower and you simply do the magic, that can be effective in of itself. You don't need to worry about all these other different components to it. That white candle with the prayer with that holy oil might be enough. So this is an important thing to remember, that we are, there are constraints here. In the same way that if you're at a job, you might not be able to light candles. You might not be able to do sex magic. Maybe you can pray over the sugar packet, right? Maybe you can lay mm-hmm. out some dirt. 
maybe you've got other sort of these things constrain your magic and that's perfectly fine that won't take away from the effectiveness in any way shape or form because you're making do you're still working within a you know well-worn traditional path in order to manifest what you want but maybe you can't think of these other components uh, miss michael sort of repeatedly said keep it simple and i think that is very true here within reason you know don't be lazy simplicity doesn't equal laziness, right? Like you've got the time, you've got the materials, and you're like, nah, I'm just going to light this white candle and see what happens. That's not going to mm-hmm. be very effective. But simplicity is very crucial for, for root work. And something that I have found that younger root workers and newer root workers have some difficulty with, mostly because they come outside of the hoodoo tradition. But growing up, we simplicity was the key. We didn't have mojo bags with 121 herbs in them. We didn't. The most effective root mojo bag maker was a guy named Uncle Ronnie. And Uncle Ronnie had seven herbs in all his root work, in all his mojo bags. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. He didn't have more than that. I saw him make root uh, mojo bags. He called them conjure hands back in the day. He made conjure hands with three herbs in them. That's it. Mm-hmm. it. Simplicity is perfectly fine. And in fact, it is in many ways the core of root work. Root work is not ceremonial magic. It's not complicated. You don't need the thread sw- you know, spun by a virgin, you know, gathered from goat hair when the moon was in Capricorn in order to do magic. And you certainly don't need 61 rare ingredients. Oh, this mojo bag is super powerful because it has the mm-hmm. bone of this one animal that no one else has. That's not how root work works. Simplicity is at its core. It's down-home magic. It's magic done by people in their home and their heart with roots and herbs readily available for them. So if you feel yourself getting lost, you are now taking away from the effectiveness of your magic. The reason why you want to keep it simple is because it keeps the story clear. It keeps that narrative clear. It keeps your intention clear. It keeps your willpower clear. That one honey jar is going to be way more effective than the 16 candles you've burned that are all over the place. I've got a hot foot over here, and I've got uh, an tranquil spirit over there, and I've got return to me over here, and then I've got this honey jar over here, and I've got this doll baby. I'm like, honey, you're confused. You're confused yourself, and you're confusing your target. It's all over the place. That mm-hmm. one honey jar will be 10 times more effective than all of those other candles. Why? Because simplicity allows you to keep focus on your intention. Don't lose sight of what your goal is. As long as you can keep sight of what your goal is, then you can build effective root work. If you lose sight of it, that's when the root work starts to get funky and weird and you're doing all these different other things. So keep that like, unerring focus on what it is you want to achieve and build outwards from there simply, effectively, and unerringly. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to catch us up here with the chat because some people are going to be listening to this as a podcast and won't have the chat. And too many good things have gone right by. Uh, Miss uh, Miss um, Michael mentioned that, oh, way, way back now, and I lost it, uh, dressing uh, uh, dollar bills for the homeless. Where was that? Say it now out loud, honey, because I can't yeah, find it. Uh, and the prayer that goes with it is God opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. That is Psalm 145.16, one of my favorite Bible verses. And you can use uh, Lucky 13 to dress the bills with because they're down on their luck and you want to appeal to everything with the symbol of bad luck like a black cat and say, come on, 
That's that's beautiful. Guys. That's just a great little mm-hmm. that's a great little just a tossed in spell. I hope you all got that. That's really good. And um there's a another Bible magic. Yeah, yeah, it's in Hoodoo Bible magic. That's right. And then there's an um uh another one which which was sort of funny. Um we were talking about in the chat about intuition versus tradition, uh intuition versus recipe making. And um mm. I I think that the intuition in uh, a traditional hoodoo is intuition within a framework. In other words, if a guy's going to go up on stage and sing a 12-bar blues, and he's got a bunch of guys with him who know what a 12-bar blues is, they can pretty much get there without having to practice. They they all know what a 12-bar blues is. It's going to be that form. Um, It will not end up up being a minuet, you know, in G. It won't it won't end up being a mini button G, for real. Um so there is a traditional boundary within which intuition has full force. But the boundaries of what makes hoodoo hoodoo are that it is the, a, a simple form of folk magic that is uses things at home and things that can be gotten locally or things that can be ordered from an order house from people who make things for the use in hoodoo. And it's up to you how far you're going to go away from that. Um, Also, Evan brought up something, the 121 herb mojo. Um, This goes back to the idea of um, less is more or uh, how many ingredients are in a mojo hand. Just a shout-out to Harry Middleton Hyatt. He interviewed 1,605 African-American people and one white person um, about hoodoo from 1936 to 1970. And he actually kept track of how many things were in a mojo hand. And he found out that really there, that usually there were three as a minimum. Mm-hmm. Very few people yep. just said keep one thing in a bag and called it a mojo. They might say keep one thing in a bag, but they wouldn't be a mojo. So mojo, you start with three. But how many after that? Seven things. I know one guy who made these trio hands. Those were three packets of three. Well, you end up with nine things, but they got reduced to three things because each packet mm-hmm. had three things, and then they end up being three things. So, um, so yeah, the 121 Herb Mojo is um, something that happens when people have uh, more money to spend on herbs than they have knowledge of herbs. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go out to six different ways to, to you know, do the same job because... You know, the ones you like the best will be the ones you end up using over and over again. And everyone has a signature mm-hmm. style. You know, there I have a style. There are certain things I like the smell of. There are certain things I like the feel and texture of. When mm-hmm. I design a spell, my first go-to will always be those items because I know what, I can smell them in my mind's nose, if you know what I mean. I know what they're going to, what their aroma will be, how it will work together, and I go a lot by smell in making herb and oil, sachet powder, bath crystal, and incense magic. That's just me. So, wow, we ran out of time. (laughs) So what we've come up with here, and I really want to thank you, Michael, for this topic, is there's a lot that goes into designing a spell. A lot. And you don't have to design it according to all the systems we just talked about at once. But Experiment. Design your own spells and see where you get. And if you have any questions, go to the Lucky Mojo Forum or hire a root worker for magical coaching, and they'll give you some tips based on their experience. 
All right. We're going to have our client segment. We're going to do a reading. And so we're going to turn this over to Evan. Stay tuned. Don't let you mojo who to root work hour with your host, Captain Ironwood, Conjurman, and this week's special guest, Miss Michael, will be right back. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call one 888 4 or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Christmas Islands League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to our clients. And our client today is Jamey calling from Texas. Jamey, are you there? Yes. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, it appears uh, Jamey has just called in with her synopsis. I'm going to read that briefly for uh, everyone. Jamey writes, I got a reading on air a few weeks ago. Situation has improved with husband and getting a new job. Uh, the party is out of the picture. The attitude of my husband has really changed since last week. Our puppy died. I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that. Um, I'd like to keep the momentum going. So essentially, she would like to keep uh, the momentum of her relationship going. Turning it over to you, Ms. Kat. Whoa. Okay. Um, that's so sad. The puppy died. That's very, very sad. I know. It's, um, uh, and you said your your husband's attitude really changed. Did that somehow open him up emotionally? Yes. Um, he, it was, he could say he was responsible for it, but he was, uh, it was water intoxication. She was swimming and she drank too much water. Um, oh. and he was there. Yeah. Oh. And, uh, my girls were in the car when it happened and, uh, he, he was very upset. He, he really kind of, he really took responsibility. Wow. Wow. And he's okay. been completely different with me. And then well you know um it's really sad that that happened but you know sometimes an event like that opens someone's heart up a little bit and opens up their mind you know and the value of you and you know the value of um, children might become more clear and more focused if you know what i'm saying yeah it's sad how that had to that had to lead to that wow I'm very, very you know, sorry to hear about that. It's a, that is a lot to process. Um, it is. Yeah. Well, things are looking up. On the other hand, the third party is out of the picture. Um, yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. Um, well, what I'm going to do is a real quick um, reading here. Then Michael will do a reading. And then Conjurman will give you some root work. So... Um, you know, uh, in the in the chat, um, Grateful Diana said he's grieving, and um, Miss Miranda Torres said, "What a roller coaster of emotions." I'm sorry to hear about your pup, and we all are. I, you know, uh, life is not always as fun as we hoped it would be. So yeah. let me take a look at this and see about to 
keep the momentum going. In other words, keep the third party out of the picture, keep the husband in a in a in a nicer frame of mind, and see what we got. So you're perfect. Uh, the, That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So the first card is temperance, and temperance is called the interrupted journey. And this is the angel Raphael. It's an angel of healing, and. Uh, says that you can rejoin a path that was broken. There's a little dirt path. Water washes it away. You have to walk through the water uh, to get back on the path. And even when you get back on the path, you go up some hills, you go through a dark valley, there's more hills, there's mountains, there's a crown at the end. Life is a series of ups and downs. And this angel Raphael says um, things can be mended, things can be repaired. And behind the angel Raphael, there's iris flowers growing, which is, uh, to say, the Queen Elizabeth root. So that's the power of a woman. But uh, there's rocks in the way. There's water in the way. Things are difficult. But I would say that this angel represents temperance, meaning keep your temper, and also the artfulness of keeping things on an even keel. The water that pours back and forth between the cups shows two people who have basic heartfelt sympathy. And there is no third cup, and this angel doesn't have three arms. So I think that person will stay away. And um, as long as you can keep the flow between the two of you, good. And... um, The next card is called Justice. So this is another trump. And Justice is the the goddess of justice sitting on a little bench, holding up a sword, and she has a balance beam scale in her left hand, and it's perfectly balanced. And this is about not pursuing revenge. Now is the time to let go of, um, you know, pursuit or punishment. Don't be into that now. Just go for justice but keep that sword upright in other words if there is another infraction you'll know about it but right now the momentum is good and don't overdo it toward trying to get um, punishment or repentance or anything like that right now you're on an even keel stay on an even keel okay it's a a good uh, indicator of you've accomplished something don't go so far that you overbalance. Does that make sense? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And then the third card is um, a card that I love because it's my favorite card. It's the Queen of Pentacles. And um, this is a, a woman sitting on a throne, and she's uh, out in nature. She has uh, roses overhead, which represent love and sexuality. She has flowers of all types around her, including more of these iris flowers. She has a sort of orangey-pink iris flowers, whereas the angel had yellow ones. They come in all colors. And uh, she has a uh, some primroses too, if you care. She has she has a nice flower garden, is what I'm saying, and a little bunny rabbit hopping by. This is about kindness to animals, among other things. And she has a, a field with harvestable vegetables and stuff, and trees. Everything is very nice in her world. And she holds in her lap a big coin, but it also could be seen as a large crystal ball. And she's looking at her future. And she's making it stable, and she uses things of the earth 
for stability. I um, hope that you get another dog, and I hope things go better. Um, some puppy, some some um, another representative of you know the animals kingdom, because this card mm-hmm. says you should and will. And uh, she holds a, a this golden coin. It's a talisman. It's something that's grounding, and I would recommend that you. Um, use some form of magic that is grounding. Um, I hesitate to get too much into your personal business. When the puppy died, did you bury it? Yes, ma'am. All right. Get a headstone for it. We did. (laughs) Good. Oh, you did. All right. So you're already there. That's a good good thing, and um, that's all I can say about that. Uh, I'm going to uh, turn this over to Miss Michael. Okay. Um, y'all can hear me, I hope? Yes. All right. So I pulled four cards while your synopsis was being read, Jamey, and I got the Fool, the Four of Pentacles, the Two of Cups, and the Five of Wands. And this speaks all about the family situation and the grief over the poor puppy. Um, he feels your husband feels pretty stupid because um, you know when things like this happen we blame ourselves and he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to hold on to your family, the rest of your of his family, you guys, for dear life, which is also natural. The last, the next card is the Two of Cups. Um, lead him back toward the freedom that a happy family life should grant him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is a friendship card. Um, and the Five of Wands is a castle under siege. Um, you want to you want to strengthen the walls, but you also want to enlarge the territory. And this, come to think of it, is where the prayer of Jabez will help you. Just include that in whatever work you do. Um, First Chronicles 4.10, I think it is. Um okay where Jabez says, oh, that the Lord would expand my territory, that evil would cause me no harm. Um, I'm paraphrasing. Um, and in the in my amethyst crystal ball, I saw an eagle, which uh, means soaring over obstacles. Now, this uh, my version of the Five of Wands from the Golden Tarot has a rooster crowing over the gate of the city that's under siege. But... Uh, you know, I visualize it. I connect it with the sign in the crystal ball by saying, that was an eagle, and it's about to take flight. Mm-hmm. So success, yeah. you know, just be patient, be kind, uh, help your husband regain his strength, and all will be well. Um, I didn't pick up anything about the third party coming back or any mm-hmm. external threat to your marriage. Thank you. Wow. All right. Um, I'm going to, because I was typing out my cards, I didn't hear what yours were. Can you just give them to me real quick? Okay. The Fool, the Four mm. of Pentacles, mm-hmm. Two of Cups, and Five mm. of Wands. Oh, Two of Cups is good. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Two of Cups is great. Mm, five of Wands. Okay, thanks, hon. All right. Um, so let's turn this over to Contraband, and he's going to give you some root work. Yeah, I think um, 
you know, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about your puppy and uh, there's a lot of emotions going on in your relationship mm-hmm. right now. And it is important to kind of work through those emotions and there's going to be guilt, there's going to be anger, there's going to be some level of hope. All of that will be kind of there and it's okay to feel them all at once. Bear that in mind that that's just going to kind of be a little bit of the emotional reality. Allow your family to kind of go through the grieving process. One way that will help ground it all, I think the word grounding here was, was mentioned, is to find a picture of you all happy with the puppy that passed away. Uh, it's a sort of a photo. We just got an album. Oh, we just got an go. album there. together with all of us uh, sharing it. Um, on our phones, great. and we're all putting in pictures and adding to it. Great. Mm. From that album, from the album, select one that, or okay. a couple, you can do a collage, whatever you prefer. But you're going to actually mm-hmm. frame it. You're going to frame it and anoint it with blessing oil and keep it into the house. Um, so okay. Pets that have passed on can continue to be protectors and guides and blessings in our lives. Spirit does not end when the material ends. Right, we very yeah. firmly yeah. believe this in, in in root work in the Hoodoo tradition, and pets are part of that. It's not just family, but pets, pets as well. So put that photo up in the house. It'll act as a sort of grounding for the entire family. It should be a happy memory where you can all look at it and smile and go, "Oh, that was such a beautiful day," uh, showing the pu- the puppy grinning and having fun or whatever it is. A photo, oh, yeah. you could do multiple photos, but you put this in the picture frame, anoint it with some blessing oil. And set this up in the house, somewhere prominent where people will walk by and see it. The next step that you need to do is to kind of protect the marriage to ensure that it doesn't go down that same route before. And so you're going to do this in layers, as we were mentioning mm-hmm. earlier, to kind of create concentric rings of protection and uh, happy marriage. You're going to start on the outside. And you're on the outside of your home. You're going to gather your urine or you're going to urinate in the four mm-hmm. corners of the property. And what this will do is mark your territory. Say, this is mine, this is my house, this is my home, this is my land, and none shall come near it. None shall encroach upon it. Pray as you do this. If you're worried about urinating out in public, you can gather the urine. I was taught that the first urine of the day or when you pee in the morning is that we want to gather that. Uh, and you can go and mm-hmm. sprinkle that. But the, the traditional way of doing it was just to actually go outside and urinate in the sort of four corners uh, of the property. This creates the first layer. This is my property. This is my house. And no one can come near it unless I want them to. This is to protect just in case. You know, maybe the third party is gone, but you want to ensure that no one else comes sniffing about. Mm -hmm. Then on the inside of the house, you're going to take peace water, and you're going to sprinkle peace water on the inside of the house. So this is a very different type of water than the urine that you've sprinkled outside. This is peace water. This will be sprinkled around the house. You can also get peaceful home powders, and you can rub those into the carpet. Um, This will be great to ensure that the house remains Uh, in a blessed state. And when the house is in a blessed state, that will in turn help the marriage. And then you're going to work on the marriage itself. So now you've got the property, you've got the home, all of this is going to contribute to the family. All of this will contribute to the relationship. If the house feels tense and uncomfortable, it will in turn impact the relationship. So what you're going to do for the actual relationship portion is you're going to have uh, sex with your partner, with your husband, uh, and you're going to do it intentionally with the intent of gathering joint sexual 
fluids. Okay? Mm-hmm. You're going to gather those joint sexual fluids, make sure that both of you achieve climax, that both of you orgasm from this. It shouldn't be unsatisfactory love. Otherwise, you're going to be building that into the, your spell work. You know, if he's, if he's getting off, but you're not getting off, that's not good, right? You don't want those sexual fluids. You want sexual fluids where you both get off. Mutually, mutual satisfaction here. So you're going to gather those sexual fluids and add a little bit of it to the peace water, and you're going to sprinkle that around the peace water. The rest of it, what you're going to do is you're going to have it uh, wiped on some type of cloth. You're going to take that cloth, you're going to cut it into a little small square and place this into a silver locket with a picture of you and him. Okay? So you're going to get a locket, some locket that, that you, is meaningful. You can buy it online, whatever. Find a locket. You're going to put a picture of it, and you're going to also put this small scrap of sexual fluid in there. You're going to anoint that locket with follow me, boy, stay with me, and happy home. Three oils you're going to place on this locket. You're going to smoke it in some incense. The incense should be fires of love. So we're working kind of different herbs, uh, different products here, right? The oils are stay with me, follow me, boy, and home, uh, happy home. And the incense is uh, fires of love. This way you're working okay. to keep the fires going, but you're also keeping him. Then you will wear this locket. So long as you keep this locket close to you, you will have him joined and bound to you. If he's willing, if he's open to the idea, you can have uh, a pair of, of lockets where you create one for yourself and one for him. Um, if he's okay with that sort of stuff, if not, you can try to do it sneaky where you create uh, two lockets. Maybe you won't put the sexual fluids in his, but you'll still put the picture of you both. Uh, you'll put the uh, uh, um, uh, oils. You'll uh, burn the incense. You'll get the incense. You'll give him one, and you'll keep the one with the personal concerns with yourself. That might be one approach to it so that you both have matching ones. But at minimum, you should at least have one locket, and that's yours, that you will keep so that you will have uh, control over this relationship. Make sure you keep up this uh, uh, routine as well. Sprinkle peace water around the house once a month. Uh, sprinkle the peaceful home powders once a month. And this should ensure that you will keep the momentum going forward. This is my recommendation. At least one locket, if you can do two, go for it. Let's see if Miss Cat or Miss Michael have anything further to add. Yeah, I I I'm a I'm a great specialist in hiding things. If he will allow mm-hmm. a locket, yes, of course. But if he doesn't allow a locket, I would either make something that doesn't look like a locket, just a little something and hide it among his stuff or you mentioned using a very small piece of cloth which was saturated with these things and then dressed with oils. You can put that in his shoe, in the toe of his shoe. And um, I would use, because most people don't look down into the toe of their shoe, you can use a, a piece of cloth that matches the insole and you can use a form of adhesive that is called shoe goop, and it will loop, used to repair shoes, but any kind of um, a, a liquid glue that will not form a crackly bond, but a nice rubbery bond like shoe goop will, will work, and you can put that in the toe of your shoe, okay? Wow, thank you, Countryman. That was a really neat, uh, multi-layered spell. 
All right. I believe that um, we now have coming toward us from outer space on three different extraterrestrial vehicles operating on three wavelengths. We will have our network schedule announcement. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. It's time to go to our first box segment with Ms. Michael of hoodoofoundry.com in Brooks, California. Take it away, Ms. Michael. Okay, uh, let me just find my notes here. Here they are. All right. Now, this spell is kind of complex, but I tried to not go overboard with it. Um, this is a candle ray, array, kind of like you will find in the Master Book of Candle Burning. You need four candles. You need a, uh, a white cross candle to make a rectangle on your altar. Uh, two in the back and two toward the front. And your workspace is going to be between them. So, on the right rear, you want a white cross candle or a white candle with a cross label on it. You can make that if you're any good with a graphics editor or crayons and paper. Uh, On the left, you want a purple candle dressed with master key. uh, In the front on the left, you want a yellow candle dressed with King Solomon Wisdom or Clarity. And on the right in front, you want a blue candle with spirit guide on it. Oil or incense or bath crystals, whatever, it's up to you. Uh, But every candle also gets 7-Eleven holy oil or blessed olive oil. You will also need spirit guide incense and master key incense. And your favorite divination tools, the ones you use already, and your favorite magical reference books which you already use, and a skeleton key. Other names for it are a bitted key. Uh, And those terms are both in Wikipedia with pictures, so you'll know exactly what I mean. Um, And you will need to have your Bible open to 1 Kings chapter 3. So you want to dress each candle with the 7-Eleven holy oil, as I said. You mix the incenses and add a few drops of the 7-Eleven holy oil. And you say this prayer, which is from 1 Kings 3, 7 through 9. You're not going to quote all of those verses, but just, I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or how to come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. And then you skip to, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart. Meanwhile, you're going to read the rest of the passage Uh, Verses 5 through 15 probably should do this first. Especially keep in mind where God says, There will be none like thee, 
and I have given thee that which thou hast not, not asked for, namely riches and honor and long life. So you're going to say the prayer. You're going to smoke the books and the tools and your tea with the incense and smoke yourself also. And you stack your tools, books, and key in the center of the altar. And for a total of seven days, you repeat the smoking process, and you also move the candles a little toward the center of the altar. So they're touching the four corners of the stack of books on the final day. Then you return the books and the tools to their usual places, and you put the key on your key ring, and you are ready to go. Wow. That's a nice spell. Because that also empowers you to have discernment using your tools mm-hmm. and using your books. So you will become a better spell designer, which is exactly what this topic was. I wondered how you were going to get from there to there, but you did. And it, this will, I get it. This will really help you. The key is an interesting symbol. And many of us put keys on our key rings, hang a key on our altar, uh, the key is the can be thought of as the master key to occult secrets. It can be thought of as um, the key to someone's heart, the key to a better future, the key to the doorway to success, and that is a lovely, lovely spell. Wow! Thank you. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love, uh, you, I, you always do a fantastic job of bringing in the the biblical component, the psalmic component, mm-hmm. the scriptural mm-hmm. component in your work. It's quite beautiful. Yeah. Well, you need well, words of power, and, and the Bible's full of them. Yeah. Well, you know, if, folks, if you don't know about Miss Michael and Charles Porterfield's book, um, Hoodoo Bible Magic, it's a wonderful book. Um, it is a good seller for us, which means that there are more people using Christian magic than you probably thought there were, because you're going, hoodoo, Bible magic, what? No, that book sells like crazy at Amazon and also through our shop. So we know, I don't know what edition we're in right now, but we've been reprinting this thing. Every time we run out, we will keep it in print. It's very popular. And Christian uh, magic of all types for all uses uh, and all types of situations is very popular so i have to say um when we have michael on here we get some of the very best and not every spell she gives us is in that book but she's constantly working with scripture to come up with new ways of working i like this one a lot i i like the idea of blessing or empowering your books. And the reason I say that is I have books that will naturally uh, jump open to the page I need. If you know, you know what I'm talking about? You have a book and you go, where is that in there? And you just open it up and bang, it opens right up. Even a 400-page book, it just opens to the page you needed it to. That's because that book was sort of in tune with you. You and that book have a, a telepathic connection. So empowering your books to be more helpful to you is a great idea. And one other thing I wanted to say in the audio portion of this, I already put it through the chat. Um, Michael, you called this a, a, a spell according to the style of Henri Gamache and the Master Book mm-hmm. of Candle Burning. Now, uh, the Master Book of Candle Burning is probably the most famous and most beloved of all the old conjure shops um, pamphlets and books of the 20th century. There's nothing quite like it. Henri Gamache, 
however, was actually a woman named Anne Fleitman. And this is, was not known until I pretty much uncovered it. I guess I could say I did the research and found out who Henri Gamache was. So all power to Henri Gamache and Fleitman, who wrote this wonderful book on candle magic, and it's also still in print to this day. So I hope mm-hmm. someone gives that mm-hmm. a try. And I can yeah, put in a little plug. Really like can it. I put in a little plug for the Terrors of Evil I Exposed? So the book that I just sent to press with Nagashiva, we got it to press with Jeremy Wise, Terrors of the Evil I Exposed by the very same Henri Gabash. <laughs> and uh, we are now doing this wonderful expanded, restored, and revised reprint of Anne Fleitman's classic book on how to protect yourself and cure yourself from attacks of the evil eye. All right. Thank you so much. There's our music. Uh, We're going to have Evan Lionheart give us some announcements, and I'll come back and make a couple of more announcements, and then we'll all say goodbye at the end of the hour. So take it away, Evan Lionheart. Sure thing. Thank you, Miss Cat, and thank you, Contraman. And thank you, Miss Michael of HoodooFoundry.com in Willis, California, for being our guest this week. Join us next week when our special guest will be Sister Girl on predicting timed events in a reading. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour was brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Trio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman at conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart, joining you from evanlionheart.com in New Jersey. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And the shows are available in archives via luckymojo.com forward slash radio show.html. To all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Evan, and I'm um, here to tell you, we give away a lot of stuff for free. We give you free spells, free readings, a free forum, (laughs) but some things you're going to pay for, and one of them will be the 2021 Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival, September 11th and 12th, 2021. You're going to get Evan Lionheart. You're going to get Miss Michael. You're going to get uh, Contraman. You're going to get me, Dr. Jeremy Weiss, Lady Muse, Mama E, Papa Newt, Mama Virgie, Papa G. It's a Papa and Mama show. Um, <laughs> there is going to be a lot. There are 10 workshops. Um, and uh, readers will be on hand, and you can have readings in between the workshops. So go over to HoodooHeritageFestival.com and get your tickets. Good night. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Bye.